welcome back to Give Me a Power. Welcome. It is me, your host, Philip M. Ryan, joined alongside a beautiful man bund, Gary Boucher. Welcome, Gary. Welcome. Hey, how you doing today, man? I think I'm going to do the whole podcast like this. Just kidding. That really hurts my throat. I'm doing great. Yeah, I remember. I am sweaty I, and I, ready. I, I, sweaty and ready. You know, that's how I start each and every day. All right, Gary. <laughs> I started last week, even though I started with your beautiful girlfriend, Jesse. So technically, uh, it's going to be your turn to go this week. Go ahead. Hey, watch it, pal. Watch it. She's spoken for, okay? Um, this one is easy. I think you're going to have an opinion because everybody does. You're a musical theater person in line with last week's movie in the Heights. What movie do you think could be made into a musical? Maybe a unique one that most people might not think of. Uh, <laughs> you know, it could be. So it is it. I, I took it off of I'm taking it off of the fact that it's like a movie that could just be transitioned into a musical. Is that correct? Yeah. 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 This is going <laughs> to. I just hope that this doesn't offend anybody, but I, I think it'd be absolutely fantastic and allow for a great rap game. If somebody were to convert the King's speech into a musical. <laughs> Look, uh, it's an entire film essentially boiled down to go around audio and, and speech and, and speaking. I think that it actually provides a lot of room for the audio format and a musical ability. Dude, imagine somebody writing a rap where it's like full of stutters. That would be pretty, pretty I know, good. isn't it? Isn't it, uh, isn't it amazing to just think about like that? So I'd go with the King's speech and not look back. Uh, Gary, a new article from the LA Times outlines the new and trendiest fashion accessory hitting Runyon, California. The water bottle. With some of the biggest stars and celebs of the area rocking upper tier level water bottles, the article goes on to even point out the offering of Chanel brand's luxurious quilted lambskin flask that comes in at a price tag of $4,895 in total. Gary, for a water bottle. What is the most nonsensical purchase or item that you own that was far too expensive? Let me just say that I'm I'm really upset. Oh, yeah? <laughs> hearing that. Hearing that really makes me upset. As I can't believe that's a thing. I can't believe people buy that. There's... Take that four grand, spend 50 of it on a hydro flask, and donate the other 3950 bucks. That's ridiculous. Um, This is kind of a weird one, but for a long time, I had a motorcycle. For a little bit, I had two. And I love the fact that I had a motorcycle. I got a lot of emotional enjoyment out of it, but honestly, I had a car, and I spent a lot of money. I made a lot of money from one acting gig that I got, and I spent all of it on a motorcycle and right now I could really use some more savings and I'm like uh I mean motorcycle was fun but I, I can do that when I'm 40 and I have more money why did I blow all that money in one in one big purchase it was a new motorcycle but yeah pro- not I mean I had just turned 21 I was I was excited had some money in my pocket and now it's gone and now it's gone sad 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 all right your yeah. turn Gary Man, I'm going to piggyback off of one of the questions from last week. Um, Another flight attendant struggle on a Delta 
airline. Um, Delta says video from the flight showed a violent confrontation involving several people wrestling a man to the floor as someone said, get him down, keep him down. The captain of the flight came on the public address system and asked all able-bodied men to come to the front of the plane for an emergency to restrain this customer, which I, I can't even imagine this happening um, on a plane that I was on, Jeez. like calling all the able, like like a, a mini draft happening on the plane. So I just wanted to ask you, what's the weirdest interaction or thing that's ever happened to you on an airplane? And if the captain specifically asked for a podcaster to come to the front and use an intercom to negotiate with terrorists, what, what would your opening line be? What would you say to these terrorists? All right. First part first. Um, well, uh, the oddest encounter that I've ever had on a plane wasn't wasn't really even that odd, and especially in light of, of that story. But it was uh, I was boarding the plane. I was making my way to a seat as if I have assigned mm-hmm. seating. <laughs> Must be nice to be able to afford assigned seating. And I'm making my way towards the back of the plane, doing my due diligence, my duty. And I'm making my way back. And all of a sudden, I notice on this plane, this random air air flight plane that I'm doing on a vacation, just to the middle of, of Denver, Colorado. I see two people, one of which who I'm fairly good friends with, the other one, her husband. And I was just like, oh my God, hey, are you, hey, are you guys on this plane? Like, are you guys going to, wow, what are you guys going to Colorado for? And it was just, uh, it wasn't like we, we spent the entire rest of the flight talking or anything. I sat like even further away in, uh, in whatever seat I, I could find back there. But it was weird seeing two people that... I, I would put them as like Instagram fans where it's like you, you, I did a show with one of them. The other one I knew because of her and, and he did some shows and they were married. And, and I was just like, oh, wow. Hey, wow. Yeah, if you don't know them that well, it almost makes it more awkward because you're like, how much am I obligated to talk yeah, to you? Yeah, absolutely. And even then me getting back to being like, oh, well, I should I should go sit was was a weird conversation. itself. Mm, as yeah. per how would I start the negotiation with a terrorist group? Um, I just say. Um, I don't even know. I just, I just get on there and say, listen, guys, how about this? I will, I will give us a game of movie film trivia. And if we, if you don't manage to get (laughs) five or more correct answers, we get to land. If you get five or more correct answers, you can take the entire plane. We'll, we'll go. No questions asked. That's how I'd probably Uh start it. I love that, man. I, I, I have a, a romantic comedy level interaction that never panned out. It's like a long, it's like a love lost from an airplane. Long story short, I sat next to this girl in high school on a plane. Yeah. We talked, we flirted. Uh, we both fell, we both fell asleep on each other's shoulders and I woke up and the plane had landed and she was gone. Um, and we had talked about reconnecting, but we didn't give each other our numbers. And it was like, no, I, I, I like cried. <laughs> I was so sad, man. That's so funny. I have. I have one story like that too, but it's it's another time, another life, and another question. All right, Gary. Ironically, I too am piggybacking off of your thing. There we go. Uh, we go back to Southwest Airlines for another negative story. <laughs> An ex-Southwest pilot was sentenced for exposing himself and watching porn on a flight. Michael Hack, age 60 apologized and expressed remorse for his actions before a judge and was sentenced to one year of unsupervised probation and a $5,000 fine. Quote, It started as a consensual prank between me and the other pilot. I never imagined it would turn into this in a thousand years, said Michael. (laughs) 
federal prosecutors <laughs> said in a news release that Hack had never met the first officer before the flight in question. Once the plane reached its cruising altitude, Hack got out of the pilot's seat, quote, disrobed, end quote, and began watching pornographic material on a laptop in the cockpit. Gary, why can't we have nice things? Is there a place that you would go or have been, but know it's not okay to be where you would want to be naked? Um, we can't have nice things, and in this situation, it's because of men and because they can't control their horniness or their urges. That's, uh, I was going to make a joke, but that's actually awful. Um, Horrible. And this is going to be weird, but let me explain. I would want to do it at the gym, but I would want everyone to be naked because I think it's, like, really pure to, f- I don't know if you've ever worked out naked I can't remember if I have, but I think it would feel really pure to get like a really, really tough workout in and just be, just have nothing on, you know, just feel like, like an animal, but you know, everyone at the gym is on board and we're all about body positivity. So you can come, you can be naked at this gym, but you know, there's just a bunch of people working out, but we're all naked. You know, I, I would love that mainly for me. Cause I just want to feel that energy, you know? So your gym would be called skins, no shirts. Yes. Yeah. Ah, man. Very clever. Gosh, yeah, exactly. You. Exactly, man. All right. Your turn, Gary. All right. I'm going to hop on the musical theater bandwagon. Philip, Philip, Philip. Oh, my gosh. I'm a casting director and the, the the lead actor in my show just got hurt. And and I need you to step in and play this role tonight. What role am I talking about? What role could you do you know well enough or do you like so much that you'd be confident right now getting on a stage and playing? Well, my memory is so bad. I don't think I would need to be that actor with a script in hand because I'm just I'm just that okay, okay. Just that bad. So, but uh, at least to have like character work and have everything in there, I probably go with Lord Farquaad of Shrek. Uh, mm, I, I just nice, nice. I, I can't imagine that Lord Farquaad's doing too too much choreography. So I could I could slip in there and not be too much of a buffoon. And on top of that, uh, I've got all the mannerisms. I've done it before, and and it's a really fun role. It's a really fun role. Uh, yes, Gary, we go back to one of our favorite segments with the game my sister gifted me at, when did she gift this to me, Gary? Christmas. She's the best person you could ever ask Look for. At that, absolutely. Remember, I will draw a card and ask you the film trivia question. If you answer correctly, you shall get a point. If not... You shall fail and lose a point. How very sad. Since we must do eight separate questions because of the way the card is formatted, I must remind us both that you can win with five or more correct answers, lose with five or more incorrect answers, or tie with only four right and four wrong answers. Gary, are you ready? I'm so ready. I have to redeem myself here. Let's do it. All right. And uh, before we begin, I think I should let you know. I love I love when you lose. All right, from which iconic comic com- company is the Captain America movie derived? Good lord, Marvel, Marvel Thank- Comics. Absolutely, you are on the board. That is horrible. Easy peasy lemon squeezy. Next one, who directed the Hurt Locker? Catherine Bigelow. Good lord, look at you, boom boom. She's a legend, man. Oh yeah. Who voiced the role of Smog? necromancer in the hobbit the battle of the five armies and what it is of course benedict cumberbatch yep well this is gonna go well isn't it oh i am taking this one which british actor plays nux in mad max fury road 
Nicholas Holt. Four for four. And I wasn't sure who Nux was, actually. I was like, it's probably his character. Yeah. Name the boy. Name the boy band star who had a role in Dunkirk. What? Oh, Harry Styles. Oh, my goodness. This this week was made for me. Harry Styles. Let's go eight for eight. What's my record? Six? Okay. Yeah. T'Challa is heir to which kingdom in the Marvel movie Black Panther? Wakanda. Wakanda forever, man. Forever. Six for six. Six for six. Come on. My good lord. Who plays Wonder Woman in the 2017 film? Gal Gadot. Seven for seven. Oh my god. Oh my god. Here we go. Say this last. Don't go looking for another card. No, I'm not. It's the same one. Okay. Let's see. Uh, Gal, I got you. Gal Gadot, right there. All right. All right. In Jurassic World, there is oh, a shoot. statue of John Hammond in tribute to which British actor and direct- director? Oh, no. Hold on. Can you say that one more time? Yeah. In Jurassic World, there's a statue of John Hammond. What are you doing? Look at me. Oh. Uh- I'm I'm thinking. Wait, you said John Ham? H A M M? Yeah, John Hammond. There's a statue of John Hammond, Hammond in uh, in tribute to which British actor and director? Look at me. Look at look at me. Look at me in my eyes. I don't want to look at look you. Look at anymore, me in my man. eyes. Um, Alfred Hitchcock. No, Richard Attenborough. Oh no, no, no. Your best week in quite a long time. My best week ever, seven and one. Seven and one. Thank Man, God you were able to get all bro. I'm going to throw these away. You can rest assured that these will never, <laughs> ever come back up. Never, ever in my life if I can ever help it. Go ahead, These These Cinderella story that I lost in the finals to freaking Richard Attenborough. Okay. Richard Attenborough. God bless him. I'm flipping my last question around for this one. Okay. So I'm going to read you a headline, and I want you to cast the lead actor. If you want to give a quick 10-second plot, you can, because, you know, I usually ask you three headlines, which one to make the best movie. At this point, you're working in the industry. You've done this enough. At this point, they're giving you one. Give me a 10-second pitch and who's and who, who you would want to play. This is the headline. This is the story of a man who jumped into Lake Michigan every day for nearly a year. He started one Saturday as the pandemic was raging. Then he just kept going, never mind Chicago's winter. So who would I cast and the, and, uh, the movie pitch? Mm-hmm. Who would you cast as Lake Man? And what would this movie even be about? What's the point? Uh, okay, who's the guy? <laughs> who's the guy who plays uh the main character in Split? Uh James McAvoy. James McAvoy is my mm. leading character. He jumps into the river. And what we're going to do is we're going to go to Shape of Water where where <laughs> during the pandemic, of course he's held alone, but whenever he goes into this into this lake, it's a it's a cold nirvana where he finds something under there and he's taken away. And at the end, it's discovered that he's slowly killing himself because of the hypothermia uh, set with set with uh, his continuous things. And he's blacking out in the middle of the lake. And uh, and these these are just the fantastical trips. And eventually it becomes a John Carter like experience where he believes that he goes on to a different world. This and he stays there and he chooses to live there 
in actuality, his body here is dead. And it's a matter of, do you believe that it's an actual place that he went to, that he found? Mm, or is okay. he really just here dead? Wow, I wasn't expecting that, that twist, but you've got a dark and creative mind. And you know what? I'm going to give you $20 million. Go make your movie, man. Do I have to make the movie off of $20 million, or can I just do it like $1 million? Uh, you can make it up one million. Okay, but you'll still give me the twenty million. <laughs> oh, your people talk to my people. I don't know about that. Fair enough. Fair enough. Gary, a new article from Bloomberg has brought up an interesting discussion point that many employees who have moved to remote work during the pandemic would rather quit their current job than give up remote work. With a study in May of one thousand U.S. adults showing that 39% would consider quitting if their employers weren't flexible about remote availability, it becomes increasingly harder to justify reasonings to hold firms to uh, to hold firm rather to a physical office space for many jobs, especially with a third of respondents saying they would save $5,000 per year by working remotely. But Gary, you are in this current situation. Let me ask you, would you rather quit your current job than have to go back to a physical office? Well, let me preface this to the the handful of coworkers who are fans of the podcast. Um, <laughs> we, we've talked about this a little bit. I live really far from work. Um, most of my coworkers live on the east side. I don't. It's probably 45 minutes to an hour. I drive a truck. Gas is crazy expensive. And honestly, they did just announce that in August, we're going to be going back at least hybrid. So some days there, some days back. I don't see a reason for it. I do not want to do it. I like working in my socks and wearing basketball shorts, having my my water in my fridge right next to me, getting to, you know, play some music while I work or have a TV show on in the background when I do paperwork. I'm very productive. I always have been. Not a problem. Um, and just like socially, man, I don't I I don't want to go back into that environment. Um, I don't want to not see my girlfriend because I work from seven to six, four days a week. So be home away from home for a long time. And well, I'm kind of talking myself into a corner here. Um, let's just say that I, I would consider it if I could find something that would pay me at least, you know, the difference, uh, being at home if I didn't have to pay for gas, you know, um, I, I, I do like my job though. I mean, I, I probably won't quit, but I'm not happy about it. <laughs> not, not one bit. Some people are like gung ho. I'm like, are you guys crazy? Yeah. Yeah. You, you listening. I'm talking about you. Are you crazy? No. Yeah. The only, no, you work, you work at home at your house, man. Yeah. I feel like the biggest constituents of going back are the people who crave social interaction. I mean, I, I talk to you every week. I have a close group of friends who I talk to. I don't need to see other people. That sounds mean. I mean, I, I, I like social interaction, but I would much rather work at my house in my athletic shorts and in my bare feet like I have been for the past year, you know? I agree. I completely agree. Your turn, Gary. Your last one. Man. So this uh, week or this month-ish was the 40th anniversary of the release of Raiders of the Lost Ark, Ooh. one of the most uh, iconic movies of all time. And some trivia I was reading about the famous scene where uh, Harrison Ford shoots the sword guy. You know, the sword guy comes out and yeah. flips the sword around and he pulls his gun and shoots him. It was improvised because Harrison Ford had dysentery and he didn't have the energy to to do a sword fight and so he was like what if i just shot him and spielberg was like all right yeah just do that and they actually realized it was kind of funny but it was improvised so you've done a lot of theater uh tell me about a scenario that comes to mind where maybe you you had to improvise 
to save a scene or or on the flip side if you've never done that an embarrassing story where you were nobody else on stage could think of anything and it fell apart uh so uh wizard of oz was a musical mm. that i was in and i played the tin man and where, where did you do this at was it at theater works spotlight okay okay so I played the Tin Man, uh, as an aside, one of the hottest, one of the absolute most humid costumes of my goddamn life. I, oh, I thought you were going to tell me about a girl. Oh, man, no, the costume, that sucks. No, I was dripping sweat. I had pools of sweat within my gloves, within my rubberized gloves. It was horrible, horrifying, horrible. Anyways, uh, it, it was a good costume, actually. I mean, don't get me wrong on that, but it was hot it was so hot i was so sweaty anyways uh i so i come out and the first scene as everybody's probably aware as anybody who's seen the uh the wizard of oz it's the same in the film as it is in this on the screen uh, on the on the stage where you go on stage and they and this lights up and there's the frozen tin man who needs to be oiled in order to start moving start talking and everything else and uh and uh, so we go along and lo and behold, some Dorothy had forgotten to check her props before entering the scene or even starting the show. And she did not have a tin can in her basket. There was no oil can. There was no oh, oil no. can with which to <laughs> limber me up. And it's it's something that you really can't get beyond because you need that in order for the rest of the scene to happen and you need me to i mean i have a song after that i have an entire thing that i i can't move obviously without oil so dorothy's up there and she notices this on stage like she's she you can just see her as she reaches into her basket and she says the line before she's about to be like oh what's that because somebody somebody forgot to place the oil can on stage or she forgot to bring it on so it wasn't necessarily her fault but she just didn't check and so she looks to where it is and she's like, oh, well, it's a tin man. Um, and I'm here frozen and I'm like having to move my eyebrows to be like to, to motion towards like something else. And so she looks and she sees the apple. And she's like, oh, oh, my, what's what's coming out of that apple? Is it? And the scarecrow <laughs> no. caught on and she's like, oh, my goodness, is that oil? <laughs> Oh no! And so, oh, that's so bad. So they had to grab an <laughs> apple, and they're putting it on my mouth where I can move. I'm like, oh, oh, thank you, thank you so much. Yes, the magic apples of uh, of Oz have have long been known to create oil. Yes, oil, apple my knees, apple my legs, apple my arms, please. Oh, yes. oh no, dude. Yeah, it was uh, it was fun. It was definitely one of the more memorable improvisation moments that I. How had. old were you? Luckily, I was the oldest kid on stage. I was about 19, but the Dorothy at that oh, time was okay. like around like 15, 13, 14. I was going to say, did somebody's ass get shoot out? I was in a show one time. Someone I like, got screamed at because of a mess up like that. It was not, I mean, it's very toxic, but oh, my my stomach dropped just hearing that. Was An apple? David? Oh, no. Was this David? Uh, you, know what's, you know what's funny? Um, it wasn't David, but... Um, I, I have witnessed that before. It was somebody who has done a show with David. It was actually one of the other actors who had recently done a show with David. Yeah. Fair enough. All right, Gary, my last one. We watched In the Heights as the accompanying movie review to In this Gimme Fights. Yes. Which has led me to come up with a small series of questions I call At Which Heights? First question mm. What is the tallest height you would realistically date someone? I would realistically what? 
Oh, oh, date someone. Yes. <gasps> you had to look up and say, honey, give me a smooch. How tall? Mm, uh, I'm used to women being shorter than me, and I like short women. So um, at one point, I was into a girl who was two inches taller. I'd say like six six. Okay. Nothing taller than that. I'm six three. So for some context, yeah. Fair enough. What is the tallest building slash floor you've been in? Um, I've um the the St. Louis Arch. I think I've been to the top of that. Fair enough. What is the highest yeah. rank of a profession you would like to achieve? Um, uh, eh, um, let's actually say not a screenwriter, but a, a producer. You know, I've moved beyond writing and I can just tell people what to write. Yeah. Would you fall from the tallest height and skydive? Uh, yes, absolutely. I would. Fantastic. Last one here. What is the highest you've ever felt? And I'm not talking about on a building. Mm, uh, on, with the theater theme, doing a cast party for the show that I just mentioned. Um, it was after the show was over. Um, I did what's called a dab. For those of you Ooh. who don't know, if you've never done a dab, you shouldn't inhale for 20 seconds when you do one. The person who actually did the yelling was the person who gave me the dab and told me to keep inhaling, keep inhaling, keep inhaling. And um, I was high for like 30 some odd hours. Like, I'm not even kidding. I cried. Um, I called out of work the next morning. Actually, my, my, my ex, this kind of sparked our relationship. She took me home and then uh, like a day later took me back to this person's house to get my car and drive back. Cause I was like stoned out of my mind. Um, I, I remember just being like, I, I want to stop being high. I told my mom, I was like, I, I'm, I can't go to work. I'm so high. I don't know what to do. It was awful, man. I was like on another plane. I mean, I remember everyone laughing at me because for like the four hours I was just sitting on that couch saying, nonsense um i never want to be that high again i've never touched a dab or wax or whatever since then oh it was awful that's fair that's fair that's all yeah, that man. i have for you man but that was fantastic thank you uh it, it was not in the moment but i look back on it fondly yes yes i'm sure now i'm sure now it's it's fun all right uh thank you so much for you the listener for joining us for this journey we appreciate you listening to this and all of our old episodes of give me five if you enjoyed this episode please by all means listen to our past ones we did a great one last week with gary's girlfriend jesse and we uh we've got future guests to to have on we've got future questions to do and future losses for gary to accrue for gary boucher i'm philip amaran thank you so much for joining us and please 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 have a wonderful day <laughs> <laughs>